Welcome, everyone, to episode 85 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and in today's episode, we're going to be hearing about the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. So let's get right into the episode. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, was an American mathematician and domestic terrorist. He was a mathematics prodigy, but he abandoned his academic career in 1969 to pursue a primitive lifestyle. Between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski murdered three people and injured 23 others in a nationwide mail bombing campaign against people that he believed to be advancing modern technology and the destruction of the natural environment. He authored Industrial Society and Its Future in a 35,000-word manifesto and social critique opposing industrialization, rejecting leftism, and advocating for a nature-centered form of anarchism. In 1971, Kaczynski moved to a remote cabin without electricity or running water near Lincoln, Montana, where he lived as a recluse while learning survival skills to become self-sufficient. After witnessing the destruction of the wilderness surrounding his cabin, he concluded that living in nature was becoming impossible and he resolved to fight industrialization and its destruction of nature through terrorism. In 1979, Kaczynski became the subject of what was, by the time of his arrest in 1996, the longest and most expensive investigation in the history of the FBI. The FBI used the case identifier Unibomb, University and Airline Bomber, before his identity was known, resulting in the media naming him the Unibomber. In 1995, Kaczynski sent a letter to the New York Times promising to, quote, desist from terrorism if the Times or the Washington Post published his manifesto, in which he argued that his bombings were extreme but necessary in attracting attention to the erosion of human freedom and dignity by modern technologies that require mass organization. The FBI and U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno pushed for the publication of the essay, which appeared in the Washington Post in September of 1995. Upon reading it, Kaczynski's brother David recognized the prose style and reported his suspicions to the FBI. After his arrest in 96, 
Kaczynski, maintaining that he was sane, tried and failed to dismiss his court-appointed lawyers because they wished him to plead insanity to avoid the death penalty. He pled guilty to all charges in 1998, and he was sentenced to eight consecutive life terms in prison without the possibility of parole. Kaczynski died in prison of suicide in June of 2003. Theodore John Kaczynski was born in Chicago on May 22, 1942, to working-class parents Wanda Teresa and Theodore Richard Kaczynski, a sausage maker. The two were Polish Americans who were raised as Roman Catholics but later became atheists. They married on April 11, 1939. From first to fourth grade, Kaczynski attended Sherman Elementary School in Chicago where administrators described him as healthy and well-adjusted. In 1952, three years after David was born, the family moved to suburban Evergreen Park, Illinois, and Ted transferred to Evergreen Park Central Junior High School. After testing scored his IQ at 167, he skipped the sixth grade. Kaczynski later described this as a pivotal event, Previously, he had socialized with his peers and was even a leader, but after skipping ahead of them, he felt that he did not fit in with the older children who bullied him. Neighbors in Evergreen Park later described the Kaczynski family as, quote, civic-minded folks. One recalling the parents sacrificed everything that they had for their children. Both Ted and David were intelligent, but Ted exceptionally so. Neighbors described him as a smart but lonely individual. Ted attended Evergreen Park Community High School, where he excelled academically. He played the trombone in the marching band, and he was also a member of the mathematics, biology, coin, and German clubs. In 1996, a former classmate said, He was never really seen as a person, as an individual personality. He was always regarded as a walking brain, so to speak. During this period, Kaczynski became intensely interested in mathematics, spending hours studying and solving advanced problems. He became associated with a group of like-minded boys interested in science and math, known as the Briefcase Boys, for their habit of carrying briefcases. Throughout high school, Kaczynski was ahead of his classmates academically. Placed in a more advanced math class, he soon mastered the material. He skipped the 11th grade, and by attending summer school, he graduated at the age of 15. Kaczynski was one of his school's five National Merit finalists, and he was encouraged to apply to Harvard University. While still at age 15, he was accepted to Harvard and entered the university on a scholarship in 1958 at the age of 16. A classmate later said that Kaczynski was emotionally unprepared. They packed him up and they sent him to Harvard before he was ready. He didn't even have a driver's license. During his first year at Harvard, Kaczynski lived at 8 Prescott Street, which was intended to provide a small, intimate living space for the youngest, most precocious incoming students. For the following three years, he lived at Elliott House. His housemates and other students at Harvard would describe him as a very intelligent but socially reserved person. 
Kaczynski earned his Bachelor of Arts degree in mathematics from Harvard in 1962, finishing with a GPA of 3.12. In his second year at Harvard, Kaczynski participated in a study described by author Alston, Alston Chase as a purposely brutalizing psychological experiment, led by Harvard psychologist Henry Murray. Subjects were told that they would debate personal philosophy with a fellow student and were asked to write essays detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. The essays were given to an anonymous individual who would confront and belittle the subject in what Murray himself called vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive attacks using the content of the essays as ammunition. Electrodes monitored the student's psychological reactions. These encounters were filmed and the subject's expressions of anger and rage were later played back to them repeatedly. The experiment lasted three years with someone verbally abusing and humiliating Kaczynski each week. Kaczynski spent 200 hours as a part of this study. Kaczynski's lawyers later attributed his hostility towards mind control techniques to his participation in Murray's study. During the Second World War, Murray had worked with the Office of Strategic Services, a U.S. intelligence agency often referred to as a predecessor, predecessor to the CIA, where he conducted psychological experiments. Some sources have suggested that Murray's experiments were part of Project MKUltra, the CIA's program of research into mind control. Chase and others have also suggested that this experience may have motivated Kaczynski's criminal activities. Kaczynski himself stated that he resented Murray and his co-workers, primarily because of the invasion of his privacy that he perceived as a result of their experiments. Nevertheless, he said that he was, quote, quite confident that his experiences with Professor Murray had no significant effect on the course of his life. In 1962, Kaczynski enrolled at the University of Michigan, where he earned his master's and doctoral degrees in mathematics in 1964 and 1967, respectively. Michigan was not his first choice for postgraduate education. He had applied to the University of California, Berkeley, and the University of Chicago, both of which accepted him but offered him no teaching position or financial aid. Michigan offered him an annual grant of $2,310 and a teaching post. At Michigan, Ted specialized in complex analysis, specifically geometric function theory. Professor Peter Duran said of Kaczynski, he was an unusual person. He was not like the other graduate students. He was much more focused about his work. He had a drive to discover mathematical truth. George Perinian, another one of his Michigan mathematics professors said, it is not enough to say that he was smart. Professor Alan Shields wrote about Kaczynski in a great evaluation that he was, quote, best man I have seen. Kaczynski received one F, five Bs, and 12 As in his 18 courses at the university. In 2006, he said that he had unpleasant memories of Michigan and felt that the university had low standards for grading 
considering his relatively high grades. For a period of several weeks in 1966, Kaczynski experienced intense sexual fantasies of being female and decided to undergo gender transition. He arranged to meet with a psychiatrist, but he changed his mind in the waiting room and discussed other things instead, without disclosing his original reason for making the appointment. Afterwards, enraged, he considered killing the psychiatrist and other people whom he hated. Kaczynski described this episode as a, quote, major turning point in his life. He recalled, I felt disgusted about my, what my uncontrolled sexual cravings had almost led me to do, and I felt humiliated, and I violently hated the psychiatrist. Just then there came a major turning point in my life, like a phoenix. I burst from the ashes of my despair to a glorious new hope. In 1967, Kaczynski's dissertation, Boundary Functions, won the Summer B. Myers Prize for Michigan's Best Mathematics Dissertation of the Year. Alan Shields, his doctoral advisor, called it the best I have ever directed, and Maxwell Reed, a member of his dissertation committee, said, I would guess that maybe 10 or 12 men in the country understood or appreciated it. In late 1967, the 25-year-old Kaczynski became an acting assistant professor at the University of California, Berkeley, where he taught mathematics. By September 1968, Kaczynski was appointed as an assistant professor, a sign that he was on track for tenure. His teaching evaluations suggest that he was not well liked by his students. He seemed uncomfortable teaching, taught straight from the textbook, and refused to answer questions. Without any explanation, Kaczynski resigned on June 30, 1969. In a 1970 letter written by John W. Addison, Jr., the chairman of the mathematics department, to Kaczynski's doctoral advisor, Shields, Addison referred to the resignation as quite out of the blue. He added that Kaczynski seemed almost pathologically shy and that, as far as he knew, Kaczynski made no close friends in the department, noting that efforts to bring him more into the swing of things had failed. In 1996, reporters for the Los Angeles Times interviewed mathematicians about Kaczynski's work and concluded that his subfield effectively ceased to exist after the 1960s, as most of his conjectures had been proven. According to mathematician Donald Rung, if Kaczynski had continued to work in mathematics, he probably would have gone on to some other area. After resigning from Berkeley, Ted moved to his parents' home in Lombard, Illinois. Two years later in 1971, he moved to a remote cabin that he had built outside of Lincoln, Montana, where he could live a simple life with little money and without electricity or running water working odd jobs, and receiving significant financial support from his family. Kaczynski's original goal was to become self-sufficient so he could live anonymously. He used an old bicycle to get to town, and a volunteer at the local library said that he visited frequently to read classic works in their original languages. Other Lincoln residents said later that such a lifestyle was typical in the area. 
Kaczynski's cabin was described by a census taker in the 1990 census as containing a bed, two chairs, storage trunks, a gas stove, and a lot of books. Starting in 1975, Kaczynski performed acts of sabotage, including arson and booby trapping against developments near his cabin. He also dedicated himself to reading about sociology and political philosophy, including the works of Jacques Ilou. Kaczynski's brother David later stated that Ilou's book, The Technological Society, became Ted's Bible. Kaczynski recounted in 1998, When I read the book for the first time, I was delighted because I thought, here is someone who is saying what I have already been thinking. In an interview after his arrest, Kaczynski recalled being shocked on a hike to one of his favorite wild spots. It's kind of rolling country, not flat, and when you get to the edge of it, you find these ravines that cut very steeply into cliff-like drop-offs, and there was even a waterfall there. It was about a two days hike from my cabin. That was the best spot until the summer of 1983. That summer, there were too many people around my cabin, so I decided I needed some peace. I went back to the plateau, and when I got there, I found that they had put a road right through the middle of it. You just can't imagine how upset I was. It was from that point on, I decided that rather than trying to acquire further wilderness skills, I would work on getting back at the system. Revenge. Kaczynski visited multiple times in Montana by his father, who was impressed by Ted's wilderness skills. Ted's father was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer in 1990 and held a family meeting without Kaczynski later that year to map out their future. On October 2nd, 1990, Kaczynski's father shot and killed himself in his home. Between 1978 and 1995, Ted Kaczynski mailed or hand-delivered a series of increasingly sophisticated bombs that cumulatively killed three people and injured 23 others. 16 bombs were attributed to Kaczynski. While the bombing devices varied wildly through the years, many contained the initials FC, which Kaczynski later said stood for Freedom Club, inscribed on parts inside. He purposely left misleading clues in the devices and took extreme care in preparing them to avoid leaving fingerprints. Fingerprints found on some of the devices did not match those found on letters attributed to Kaczynski. Ted's first mail bomb was directed at Buckley Christ, a professor of materials engineering at Northwestern University. On May 25, 1978, a package bearing Christ's return address was found in a parking lot at the University of Illinois at Chicago. The package was returned to Christ, who was suspicious because he had not sent it, so he contacted campus police. Officer Terry Marker opened the package, which exploded and caused minor injuries. Kaczynski had returned to Chicago for the May 1978 bombing and stayed there for a time to work with his father and brother at a foam rubber factory. In August 1978, 
his brother fired him for writing insulting limericks about a female supervisor Ted had courted briefly. The supervisor later recalled Kaczynski as an intelligent and quiet, but remembered little of their acquaintanceship, and firmly denied that they had had any romantic relationship. Kaczynski's second bomb was sent nearly one year after the first one, again to Northwestern University. The bomb, concealed inside a cigar box and left on a table, caused minor injuries to a graduate student, John Harris, when he opened it. In 1979, a bomb was placed in the cargo hold of American Airlines Flight 444, a Boeing 727, flying from Chicago to Washington, D.C., a faulty timing mechanism prevented the bomb from exploding, but it released smoke, which caused the pilots to carry out an emergency landing. Authorities said that it had enough power to obliterate the plane had it exploded. Kaczynski sent his next bomb to the president of United Airlines, Percy Wood. Wood received cuts and burns over most of his body. Ted left false clues in most bombs, which he intentionally made hard to find to make them appear more legitimate. Clues included metal plates stamped with the initials FC hidden somewhere, usually in the pipe end cap, in bombs. A note left in a bomb that did not detonate reading, Woo, it works. I told you it would. RV. And the Eugene O'Neill $1 stamps often used as postage on his boxes. He sent one bomb embedded in a copy of Sloan Wilson's novel, Ice Brothers. The FBI theorized that Kaczynski's crimes involved a theme of nature, trees, and wood. He often included bits of a tree branch and bark in his bombs. His selected targets included Percy Wood and Leroy Wood. The crime writer Robert Gray Smith noted his, quote, obsession with wood was a large factor in the bombings. In 1981, a package bearing the return address of Brigham Young, University Professor of Electrical Engineering, Leroy Wood Berenson, was discovered in a hallway at the University of Utah. It was brought to the campus police and was defused by a bomb squad. In May of the following year, a bomb was sent to Patrick C. Fisher, a professor of computer science at Vanderbilt University. When Fisher's secretary, Janet Smith, opened the package, it exploded, and Smith received injuries to her face and arms. Kaczynski's next two bombs targeted people at the University of California, Berkeley. The first, in July 1982, caused serious injuries to an engineering professor. Nearly three years later, in May 1985, John Hauser, a graduate student and captain in the United States Air Force, lost four fingers in the vision in one eye. Kaczynski handcrafted the bomb from wooden parts. A bomb sent to the Boeing Company in Auburn, Washington was defused by a bomb squad the following month. In November of 1985, Professor James McConnell, a research assistant, and research assistant Nicholas Sweeno were both severely injured after Sweeno opened a mail bomb addressed to McConnell. In late 1985, a nail and splinter-loaded bomb in the parking lot of a computer store in Sacramento, California, 
killed 38-year-old owner of the store, Hugh Scrutton. On February 20, 1987, a bomb disguised as a piece of lumber injured Gary Wright in the parking lot of a computer store in Salt Lake City, Utah. Nerves in Wright's left arm were severed, and at least 200 pieces of shrapnel entered his body. Kaczynski was spotted while planting the Salt Lake City bomb. This led to a widely distributed sketch of the suspect as a hooded man with a mustache and aviator sunglasses. In 1993, after a six-year break, Kaczynski mailed a bomb to the home of Charles Epstein from the University of California, San Francisco. Epstein lost several fingers upon opening the package. In the same weekend, Kaczynski mailed a bomb to David Glertner, a computer science professor at Yale University. Glertner lost sight in one eye, hearing in one ear, and a portion of his right hand. In 1994, Burson Marsteller executive Thomas J. Mosser was killed after opening a mail bomb sent to his home in New Jersey. In a letter to the New York Times, Kaczynski wrote that he had sent the bomb because of Mosser's work repairing the public image of Exxon after the Exxon Valdez oil spill. This was followed by the 1995 murder of Gilbert Brent Murray president of the timber industry lobbying group California Forestry Association by a mail bomb addressed to previous president William Dennison, who had retired. Geneticist Philip Sharp at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology received a threatening letter shortly afterwards. In 1995, Kaczynski mailed several letters to media outlets outlining his goals and demanding a major newspaper print his 35,000-word essay, Industrial Society and Its Future, dubbed the Unabomber Manifesto by the FBI, verbatim. He stated that he would desist from terrorism if this demand was met. There was controversy as to whether the essay should be published, but Attorney General Janet Reno and FBI Director Louis Free recommended its publication out of concern for public safety and in the hope that a reader could identify the author. Bob Guccione of Penthouse volunteered to publish it. Kaczynski replied, Penthouse was less respectable than the New York Times and the Washington Post and said that, to increase our chances of getting our stuff published in some respectable periodical he would reserve the right to plant one and only one bomb intended to kill after our manuscript had been published, if Penthouse published a document instead of the Times or the Post. The Washington Post published the essay on September 19, 1995. Kaczynski used a typewriter to write his manuscript, capitalizing entire words for emphasis in lieu of italics. He always referred to himself as either We or FC for Freedom Club, though there was no evidence that he worked with others. Donald Wayne Foster analyzed the writing at the request of Kaczynski's defense team in 1996 and noted that it contained irregular spelling and hibernation, along with other linguistic idiosyncrasies. This led him to conclude that Kaczynski was its author. 
Because of the material used to make the mail bombs, U.S. Postal Inspectors, who initially had responsibility for the case, labeled the suspect the Junkyard Bomber. FBI Inspector Terry Turchi was appointed to run the Unibomb investigation. In 1979, an FBI-led task force that included 125 agents from the FBI, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service was formed. The task force grew to more than 150 full-time personnel, but minute analysis of recovered components of the bombs and the investigation into the lives of the victims proved of little use in identifying the suspect who built the bombs primarily from scrap materials available almost anywhere. Investigators later learned that the victims were chosen indiscriminately from library research. In 1980, Chief Agent John Douglas, working with agents in the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit, issued a psychological profile of the unidentified bomber. It described the offender as a man with above-average intelligence and connections to academia. This profile was later refined to characterize the offender as a neo-ludite holding an academic degree in the hard sciences. But this psychologically-based profile was discarded in 1983. FBI analysts developed an alternative theory that concentrated on the physical evidence in recovered bomb fragments. In this rival profile, the suspect was characterized as a blue-collar airplane mechanic. The Unibomb Task Force set up a toll-free telephone hotline to take calls related to the investigation, with a $1 million reward for anyone who could provide information leading to the Unibomber's capture. Before the publication of Industrial Society and Its Future, Kaczynski's brother, David, was encouraged by his wife to follow up on suspicions that Ted was the Unabomber. David was dismissive at first, but he took the likelihood more seriously after reading the manifesto a week after it was published in September of 95. He searched through old family papers and found letters dating to the 70s that Ted had sent to newspapers to protest the abuses of technology using phrasing similar to that in the manifesto. Before the manifesto's publication, the FBI held many press conferences, asking the public to help identify the Unabomber. They were convinced that the bomber was from, from the Chicago area where he began his bombings, had worked in or had some connection to Salt Lake City, and by the 90s had some association with the San Francisco Bay Area. This geographical information and the wording and excerpts from the manifesto that were released before the entire text of the manifesto were published persuaded David's wife to urge him to read it. After the manifesto was published, the FBI received thousands of tips. While the FBI re reviewed new leads, Kaczynski's brother David hired private investigator Susan Swanson in Chicago to investigate Ted's activities discreetly. David later hired Washington, D.C. attorney Tony Biskilelli to organize the evidence acquired by Swanson to contact the FBI, given the presumed difficulty of attracting the FBI's attention. 
Kaczynski's family wanted to protect him from the danger of an FBI raid, such as those at Ruby Ridge or Waco, since they feared a violent outcome from any attempt by the FBI to contact Kaczynski. In early 1996, an investigator working with Basigli Eli contacted former FBI hostage negotiator and criminal profiler Clinton R. Vandict. Biscuilelli asked him to compare the manifesto to typewritten copies of handwritten letters David had received from his brother. Van Zant's initial analysis determined that there was better than 60% chance that the same person had written the manifesto, which had been in public circulation for half a year. His second analytical team determined a higher likelihood. He recommended Bisiglielli's client contact the FBI immediately. In February of 96, Bisiglielli gave a copy of the 1971 essay written by Kaziski to Molly Flynn at the FBI. She forwarded the essay to the San Francisco-based task force where FBI profiler James Fitzgerald recognized similarities in the writings using linguistic analysis and determined that the author of the essays and the manifesto was almost certainly the same person. Combined with facts gleaned from the bombings and Kaczynski's life, the analysis provided the basis for an affidavit signed by Terry Turchi, the head of the entire investigation in support of the application for a search warrant. Kaczynski's brother, David, had tried to remain anonymous, but he was soon identified. Within a few days, an FBI agent team was dispatched to interview David and his wife with their attorney in Washington, D.C. At this and subsequent meetings, David provided letters written by his brother in their original envelopes, allowing the FBI task force to use the postmark dates to add more detail to their timeline of Ted's activities. David had once admired and emulated his older brother, but had since left the survivalist lifestyle behind. He had received assurances from the FBI that he would remain anonymous and that his brother would not learn who had turned him in, but his identity was leaked to CBS News in early of April 96. CBS anchorman Dan Rather called FBI Director Louis Free, who requested 24 hours before CBS broke the story on the evening news. The FBI scrambled to finish the search warrant and have it issued by a federal judge in Montana. Afterwards, the FBI conducted an internal leak investigation, but the source of the leak was never identified. FBI officials were not unanimous in identifying Ted as the author of the manifesto. The search warrant noted that several experts believed the manifesto had been written by another individual. FBI agents arrested an unkempt Kaczynski at his, at his cabin on April 3, 1996. A search revealed a cache of bomb components, 40,000 handwritten journal pages that included bomb-making experiments descriptions of the Unabomber crime, crimes, and one live bomb. They also found what appeared to be the original typed manuscript of Industrial Society in its future. By this point, the Unabomber had been the target of the most expensive investigation in FBI history at the time. 
a 2000 report by the United States Commission on the Advancement of Federal Law Enforcement stated that the task force had spent over $50 million throughout the course of the investigation. After his capture, theories emerged naming Kaczynski as a Zodiac killer who murdered five people in Northern California from 1968 to 1969. Among the links that raised suspicion was that Kaczynski lived in the San Francisco Bay Area from 67 to 69, the same period that most of the Zodiac's confirmed killings occurred in California. That both individuals were highly intelligent with an interest in bombs and codes, and that both wrote letters to the newspapers demanding the publication of their works with the threat of continued violence if the demand was not met. Additionally, Kaczynski's whereabouts cannot be verified for all of the killings. Since the gun and knife murders committed by the Zodiac Killer differed from Kaczynski's bombings, authorities did not pursue him as a suspect. Robert Graysmith, author of the 1986 book Zodiac, said the similarities are fascinating but purely coincidental. At one point in 1993, Investigators sought an individual whose first name was Nathan because the name was imprinted on the envelope of a letter sent to the media. A federal grand jury indicted Kaczynski in June of 1996 on 10 counts of illegally transporting, mailing, and using bombs. Kaczynski's lawyers, headed by Montana federal public defenders Michael Donahoe and Judy Clark, attempted to enter an insanity defense to avoid the death penalty, but Kaczynski rejected this strategy. On January 8, 1998, he asked to dismiss his lawyers and hire Tony Sarah as his counsel. Sarah had agreed not to use an insanity defense and instead promised to base a defense on Kaczynski's anti-technology views. After this request was unsuccessful, Kaczynski tried to kill himself on January 9th. Sally Johnson, the psychiatrist who examined Kaczynski, concluded that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz said that Kaczynski was not psychotic, but had a schizoid or a schizotypal personality disorder. In his 2010 book, Technological Slavery, Kaczynski said that two prison psychologists who visited him frequently for four years told him that they saw no indication that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and the diagnosis was ridiculous and a political diagnosis. Some contemporary authors suggested that multiple people, most notably Kaczynski's brother and mother, purposely spread the image of him as mentally ill with the aim to save him from execution. On January 21, 1998, Kaczynski was declared competent to stand trial by federal prison psychiatrist Johnson. Despite the psychiatric diagnosis and prosecutors sought the death penalty, Kaczynski pled guilty to all charges on January 22, 1998, accepting life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. He later tried to withdraw this plea, claiming that the judge had coerced him but Judge Garland Ellis Burrell Jr. denied his request and the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit upheld that denial. 
In 2006, Burrell ordered that items from Kaczynski's cabin be sold at, quote, reasonably advertised internet auction. Items considered to be bomb-making materials, such as diagrams and recipes for bombs, were excluded. The net proceeds went toward the $15 million in restitution Burrell had awarded Kaczynski's victims. Kaczynski's correspondence and other personal papers were also auctioned. Burrell ordered the removal before sale of references in those documents to Kaczynski's victims. Kaczynski unsuccessfully challenged those redactions as a violation of his freedom of speech. The auction ran for two weeks in 2011 and raised over $232,000. Almost immediately after being convicted, Ted began serving his eight life sentences without the possibility of parole at ADX Florence, a supermax prison in Florence, Colorado. Early in his imprisonment, Kaczynski befriended Ramsey Youssef and Timothy McVeigh, the perpetrators of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, respectively. They discussed religion and politics and formed a friendship which lasted until McVeigh's execution in 2001. Kaczynski stated about Timothy McVeigh, quote, On a personal level, I like McVeigh, and I imagine that most people would like him. But he also stated, Assuming that the Oklahoma City bombing was intended as a protest against the U.S. government in general and against the government's actions at Waco in particular, I will say that I think the bombing was a bad action because it was unnecessarily inhumane. In October of 2005, Kaczynski offered to donate two rare books to the Melville J. Herskovitz Library of African Studies at Northwestern University's campus in Evanston, Illinois, the location of his first two attacks. The library rejected the offer on the grounds that it already had copies of the works. The Labatty Collection, part of the University of Michigan's Special Collections Library, houses Kaczynski's correspondence with over 400 people since his arrest, including replies, legal documents, publications, and clippings. His writings are among the most popular selections in the University of Michigan Special Collections. The identity of most correspondents will remain sealed until 2049. In 2012, Kaczynski responded to the Harvard Alumni Association's directory inquiry for the 50th reunion of the class of 1962. He listed his occupation as prisoner and his eight life sentences as awards. In 2011, Kaczynski was a person of interest in the Chicago Tylenol murders. Kaczynski was willing to provide a DNA sample to the FBI, but later withheld it as a bargaining chip for his legal efforts against the FBI's private auction of his confiscated property. The U.S. government seized Kaczynski's cabin, which they put on display at the Newsom Museum in Washington, D.C., until late 2019, when it was transferred to a nearby FBI museum. On December 14, 2021, the 79-year-old Kaczynski was transferred to the Federal Medical Center in North Carolina. At 12.23 a.m. on June 10, 2023, 
Kaczynski was found dead in his cell, unresponsive. He was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. Prison officials concluded his death to be a suicide, resulting from neglect and lax patrol practices. He was in the late stages of cancer. The prison guards union blamed the death on insufficient staffing. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope that everyone enjoyed the story. If you did, don't forget to rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm not really sure why, but a five-star rating really helps others to find us, something with their algorithms. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you do enjoy the show, please consider helping to support the show by joining us on Patreon, with monthly bonus episodes being available from the $5 tier. There's also a new bonus video up. Once again, thank you all for listening, and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. <laughs>